Thank you for tuning into this eighth episode of the Old Code Podcast. I am your host. Uh, today we're going to try to stay within the 20 to 30 minute range on the Friday episode. But this is a bit of a more complex topic, so I'm really hoping that I can stay within that range. Last week we talked about how we physically structure our lives and how we physically structure our worlds. Uh, The interesting thing was that after releasing that episode, a good friend of mine who listens to this podcast, he texted me and recommended a topic to talk about and it was something that I had considered doing at a later episode, but I would be I think I'd be sorry if I didn't take this opportunity. So, you know who you are. Thank you for the recommendation. And, yeah, I hope to be able to, let's, you know, just dig right into it. And so what is the topic? Uh, Today's topic is how we structure our lives in time. Specifically, really I wanted to talk about liturgical structures of time in the christian world we have well in the protestant christian world we have a rough liturgical calendar we have easter and advent essentially we have the birth of christ and we have the death of christ and There's a whole lot more when you go back further into the Catholic liturgical calendar. Uh, Not necessarily more as far as events, but more specificity going into those two categories. Uh, And I, uh, the reason why I want to bring this up is because I think that it's truly important, especially as we go into the new year and we're reflecting on this past year how are we structuring the way we live so again um i kind of jumped the gun on going into the church calendar but i should actually start with old testament israel Uh, go from general revelation to special revelation from old testament to new testament from new testament to where we are today and where we are now in modernity. So, general revelation. I want to get across this idea that humans are meant to function effectively seasonally. We have seasonal orientations. We have yearly patterns. uh, We have monthly patterns. And we have daily patterns or paradigms essentially so season like yearly we obviously have we circle around the year the sun once a year i don't i think it's 365 as yeah if i wanted to get really stupidly pedantic it's like 364 days 23 hours 59 minutes and 59 or 56 seconds something like that and that's why we end up with old year anyway <clears throat> we have a yearly rhythm we go around the sun and that 
year is broken up into seasons. We have four seasons. We have winter, spring, summer, and fall. And each one of those is effectively divvied up as well by the lunar calendar. You know, we have a roughly 30-day new moon to new moon pattern. Each of those 30 days is then divvied up into 24-hour days, which is how long it takes for the Earth to rotate. And then we divvy up the 24-hour day into... I need to double-check on the reasoning behind this, but I believe it was divvied up into 24 hours because it's twice the number of months of the year. That's my best guess. I need to go ch- and check that out. So the reason why I'm laying this out is because general revelation, we have times for planting, time for harvest, time for hunkering down, time for tending to the garden. Uh, winter time is better for the hunting. Summer and spring are better for the gathering. Throughout all of these patterns and rhythms, these are things that God has established in his creation. They're patterns and paradigms for us to have predictability, really. And humans are not divorced from that. They're really not. Over the course of the day, you have a circadian rhythm, which is informed by the rising and the setting of the sun. That's that's a pattern that God has established on Earth over the course of 24 hours that you are affected by. Our bodies change over the course of the year. They do. Um, we, ha- we get seasonal depression when we don't go outside enough. That's part of the seasons changing. We have a call to to hunker down and to be more reflective during those times. And that's the general revelation element. The special revelation then comes, like I said, in the Old Testament Israel with the demonstration of all these feast days. And some of these feast days were demonstrating something that was happening at the time, like the Feast of the Harvest and the Feast of First Fruits and all of the above. And then there were feasts that were reflected on th- reflective on things that God has done in the past, and such as Passover. You know, all of these things, these are both reflective of stuff that has gone on in the past and reflective of something that's going to take place in the future. So God it uses seasons to create paragraphs in the year. And then he uses these divinely appointed feast days in the Old Testament, kind of as punctuation for these paragraphs, for these sentences. It's the, uh, it's, it's him divvying these times up, and not only saying that these are specific times, but these are appointed times. These are times meant for a particular point of reflection. The Feast of Harvest was always meant to be, or the Feast of First Fruits was always meant to be a feast concerning gratitude 
towards what God had provided. Uh, the, the Feast of Passover was always meant to be a time to point back to the gratitude that God had, to, was always meant to be a time of gratitude for what God had accomplished in Egypt for the nation of Israel. And so you just have these feasts that have very deliberate purposes. And so it's not just descriptive anymore. To say it's winter time is descriptive. These feast days are prescriptive. From the Old Testament then to the New Testament. Actually, I'll, I want to say this really quickly, just as a teaser for a future episode as well. But not only did we have yearly cycles, we also had kind of generational cycles. And that was kind of culminated in the year of Jubilee uh, after seven years of, after seven clumps of seven years, you would have a year of Jubilee. And so even in, we don't just have yearly cycles, we also had generational cycles. And I think that that's something very much missed out on in modernity is we don't have generational cycles at all uh, but again each one of these has a purpose that it points to now apologize getting back to the new testament we now have a liturgical calendar that's rooted in the person of christ the advent season is building up to christ's birth we have Easter, which points to Christ's death. We have Pentecost that focuses on the descending of the Holy Spirit. I'm certain that there are many others. I cannot name them off the top of my head. But this liturgical calendar is effectively meant to demonstrate that this time is dedicated for reflection on something that God has done. And this is something that we're missing in modernity. We, to, to shift gears for a moment to talking about the modern world again, in the same way that we don't have dedicated, we may dedicate an hour or two, if we're lucky, to prayer and reading scripture. We fit those things into our day instead of fitting our day around those things. And that was the point of a liturgical calendar, is that you had these special things that you structured your year around. You had these times of reflection that your year was structured on, and then you would fit in common life around it. Common life filled in the gaps. It was not the thing that took up the bulk of the space. And truly, that's one of the things that we, we've almost flipped it on its head in modernity. Um, before I talk about modernity, uh, a couple resources to look into uh, would be the premise of the Liturgy of the Hours, and I think I should actually clarify, I should have done this at the beginning, so I apologize to anyone who's listening and doesn't know. Liturgy is just a term we use to describe the order of worship, essentially. It comes from the Greek. It says, service of the people comes into the Christian language 
by, by means of Roman Catholicism, saying that the one performing this order of worship is the liturgist. They are the one who is performing this public service. And because they are performing this public service, that's one of the reasons why we call a church service a church service. They are the one who is serving in that light. So I am using liturgy in a sort of blanket statement or a very broad term to describe a prescribed ordering of things. So I want to jump back and say that humans are necessarily liturgical given that definition. We are necessarily rhythmic creatures. We take place in years and in seasons and in months and in days and in hours. And once we have that understanding that humans aren't divorced from time, we exist in space and in time, going back to what I was talking about last week where we exist in deliberate space and how we order our space reflects how we view ourselves and how we view culture, how we order our time further reflects our relation to God and our relation to culture and our relation to ourselves, really. So those resources that I mentioned were the Liturgy of the Hours. It's a common, uh, it's a Catholic practice. The exercises or spiritual exercises of Ignatius of Loyola. He was a Jesuit, but it's still something to consider when you are thinking and talking about overarching liturgy. Uh, the exercises take place over the course of four weeks, so it's roughly a month. There's the overall liturgical calendar, which is then broken up, like I described, and there's probably more to it, like I said. I just don't have it off the top of my head. So... Each one of these things, you fit the rest of your day or the rest of your month or the rest of your year around this liturgy. You have wiggle room in between, but these are non-negotiable things. And this was meant to demonstrate that our relationship with God is the one non-negotiable. It can be a poor harvest. It could be a bad workday. It could be a rubbish year, but these things that we celebrated, these were non-negotiables. Pentecost and Passover, non-negotiables. Advent, Easter, non-negotiables. And that's because our relationship with God is non-negotiable. Versus, and this is finally the critique, I've been saying it like three times now, but this is comment on society and culture. We fit these things into our lives as opposed to the other way around. These are the negotiables. So instead of saying this is my work day, instead of saying I am dedicating my day with times of prayer and fasting and reading the word of God. 
and I'm going to be able to get work done. I'm going to be able to get eight hours of work done in between my time with God. I'm going to be able to fit in work. We structure our days around what we need to do in the secular world and then see if we can fit in the things that we need to do in relation to God. And we do this with our daily tasks. We do this with our weekly tasks. Uh, you know, I'm going to be lucky if I get to church this week because I've just had such a busy week. I'll be lucky if I can actually enjoy my Sabbath because I've had so much work to do this week that I don't even know and it's going to spill over into my Sunday. So I don't even know if I'll be able to enjoy my Sabbath. I haven't been able to get to church that many times, but I can squeeze in a time to go to Christmas service. These are all just examples of how we ram and we, we managed to kind of pour in Christianity. We pour it into the gaps. We pour it into the points where we don't have anywhere else to fit. Uh, you know, we don't have... And I, I can't possibly have enough time to do X, Y, or Z, so I'm going to spend that time praying a little bit. I'm going to spend that time reading scripture a little bit. And so we're filling in the gaps of our lives with these things and there's nothing wrong with filling in the gaps but that's to say that the bulk of your time is not dedicated unto God and we can circle around it we can dance around it by saying that we're dedicating our work to God we can dance around it by dedicating what we're doing or we're contemplating something as though we're praying, but that is not the same as genuine time dedicated to prayer. It is not the same as dedicating time to spending time with our God, whether that is in prayer or in scripture. There is a difference and we all know it and we all hate to admit it to ourselves, but there is a difference and so the way we structure our time and the way we think about structuring our time is far more important than we let on to ourselves. I believe it was John Piper who said something along the lines of social media will stand at the day of judgment to show that we were never without uh, time to pray or something like that. I think I said that right. The reason why I bring it up is because even in those times where we used to have gaps in the day where, you know, you're riding on the bus and you forgot your book, you are waiting on an elevator where we could just take five seconds to fill in that supposed gap. Now we pull out our phones and we scroll and we scroll and we scroll. So, if I'm going to provide critiques, we have, instead of having seasons and feasts and hours of worship, we've traded them for business quarters 
We've traded them for eight hours and commutes. Traded them for five seconds to f- 15 minutes scrolling our social media. So if I'm going to leave you with a challenge, and I know that this one is a little bit more of a challenge than encouraging, I do try to leave with some sort of encouraging mark, I really do. But if I'm going to leave you with a challenge that is encouraging, as you approach the new year, think about how you are structuring your life, both physically and in time. There are many Protestants use the, the the liturgical calendar. Don't shy away from that. It is nothing to be ashamed of. If you are going to use the spiritual exercises of Ignatius, be cautious, but discerning. If you're willing to imbibe material from today's philosophers, I've already named a couple, but you're not willing to use spiritual exercises from Ignatius, double-check your priorities. And if you're not comfortable using that, use the Book of Common Prayer from the Anglican Church. Use the Westminster Confession. Use the shorter and larger catechisms. Go through them. Have a daily time. Dedicate time to it. And I want you to try to, as best as you can, reframe your mindset on school or work and tell yourself yes I am lucky to fit in this time of work in between my time spent with God because genuinely dedicating that time to God is going to yield so much better fruit than than squeezing it in it would be, you would have such a sad marriage or such a sad relationship with your children if you were just trying to squeeze in some time with them, doing it as little more than an obligation. Now, when I'm away from my wife, I'm getting eight hours of work in, but my first ministry is my family back home. And so I get to squeeze in eight hours of work and then I'm happy to come home and actually that's when my day begins. So I want you to actively consider how you are structuring your day and I want you to actively consider how you are structuring your life because it means so much more than what we give credit for. We think time is just time when time is the signature of how you write your life. Dedicate time to spend with God and draw on the resources that we've been given. Use discernment, of course, if you are Protestant and you are not comfortable using Catholic materials. We have plenty of Protestant materials as well. I am happily Protestant and I will use the materials we have been given. But make those times non-negotiable. Spend dedicated time in prayer and in scripture Love the Lord, love his people. And if you feel like it, honestly, try to celebrate some of those feast days 
incorporate them into your year. We already incorporate Passover, in a sense, with Easter, but try to just enjoy that those times because they've been given to us and we can use them. Forge a liturgy. And whether that's as a community, as a church, or for your family, forge liturgy because you will thrive. Liturgy gives structure, and structure is actually where creativity takes place. So, I think that that's where I'm going to leave you off with. I hope this episode has made sense. Uh, this has been a little bit more, a little bit more off the cuff, but I thought it would be too good. To, it would it wouldn't be good to pass up this opportunity, especially because Christmas is fast approaching. And it's so important to actually have a structure for your life. Next week, uh, I will see you on Monday and I will talk to you on Friday, hopefully. Uh, let's see if we can actually get that to happen. Monday is Christmas, so I'll try to have something out by Monday or Tuesday. I hope that this message greets you well, and I hope that this encourages you to intentionally structure your time the way last time I encouraged you to intentionally structure your life, your physical life. In any case, that's all I've got for you today. Uh, feel free to share this with someone you know if you enjoyed this episode, uh, and Feel free to leave a comment on the feedback. I think Spotify and Apple have feedback areas. So if you're liking this, feel free to share some feedback. Or if I shared this with you by a text, text me back. Let me know what you think. Uh, I'm really blown away by the response I've been getting so far. And I can't tell you how grateful I am to you all. That's all I got for you today. Thanks so much.